very nice. We've got a guest coming on right now. Really looking forward to this. He's the host of Unwashed, unwashed.tv. Yeah, you can find him on, at Unwashed over there on DLive. Things over there on Twitter and things like that as well. Um, really looking forward to having him on. Let's see if we can get him over here in the room. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a streamer. He streams almost every day like me. Uh, he's over there in the UK. Let's get him on, on in the room. Let's get Nick on in here. Let's see. Okie doke. Hello, hello. There we go. Hey, hey, how's it going, Nick? Good to have you on. Oh, good. Is there a way to change my name on here? Yeah. Um, I yeah, I can uh, I can like get rid of it or whatever for a second if you want. It's not for doxing purposes. I don't really mind. It's just Juan isn't even my middle name. It's oh, a joke. okay. It's All just, right. That's funny. I was, confusing. you know, I saw, I saw that pop up and I was like, really? I was like, do we have a Spaniard over here? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, you don't. You have an Englishman. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, you know, I, we have some crossover fans or whatever. Obviously, your, your following is a little bit bigger than mine. Um, but, you know, I, I started uh, listening to you a couple weeks ago, and I listened to your last three streams today. But why don't we just uh, you just give the people kind of uh, what, you're, what you're all about, what your plan for your show is, and what your, what your goals are, you know, what, you, what you're trying to do. Are you on multiple platforms as well? Are you just on DLive, or where are you at it's- in the social media? Out of necessity, I'm on multiple platforms because I started on YouTube and um, and, and that's useful for, for like, you know, diving in and finding your people. Uh, but then you are not going to be able to stay there. So I had a sort of a fun mission last year where I had to migrate all of the UK scene over to DLive. Like mm-hmm. a friend of mine spotted you're going to be safer over here. And also you can get tipped there. So so push this and it's hard to get people to to like shake their old patterns so what i had to do was do this two hour stream after the first hour i was like we're not on youtube anymore cutting the stream you have to move over to this other one um and now d live is chucking people off and and demonetizing people so everyone's looking at odyssey as the next potential like safe place so i'm keeping an eye on that at the moment it's youtube and d live though okay and so when did you start streaming uh, ooh, I mean, I started. So, so here's the deal. Um, I was totally apolitical until the Brexit vote, and okay. I voted the wrong way in that as well. I wow! Voted I was going to ask you about that. So, you you voted Remain? I did. I wow. did. Wow! Yeah, and no, I mean, it's 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 definitely worth going into like the story rather than just plugging my channel because uh-huh. what's happened to me should have happened to like thousands of other people in the country, which was. The vote came in, and then there was so much hate that, I, and I and I was just like, "But that many people can't be wrong. That many people can't all be like bigoted, evil, low information racists. There's smart people in that camp because it won. So, my like, how did I not get the message? How did I not hear the positive arguments for leaving the EU? Because then, as soon as I searched for them, it was really obvious. It was like I've been completely tricked here." And then that's like the domino effect, right? And, um, and, and this didn't happen to any of my old friends at all. I was in a music scene and they just got more and more fervent with Orange Man Bad as I just found Trump funnier and funnier and funnier. And, um, wow. and eventually, like, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. I was such a fan of all these guys on YouTube and had no connection to anyone in my own life. I was like, gotta join the fight. 
Got to join the fight. Wow. And, um, yeah, and so started doing 10-minute sort of hot-takey videos at the end of 2019 and interviewing everyone I could. And then I don't even know how the live stream started as a, as a thing, but it's become rather than like, oh, here's my hot take on on this woke thing that's happened. It's much more like, okay, let's let's build a community here. Let's let's like get to know each other, etc. Wow, yeah, that's really fascinating. The me, me, I didn't know this coming in, but me and you are very, very similar in a lot of ways. I'm a musician as uh, as well. I, I know you're a DJ. I, I think that's what you said in a couple couple streams. But the same thing happened to me with uh, with the vote for Trump. I uh, fortunately did not vote for Hillary, but I was a uh, you know a full libertarian at the time, so I, I voted for the libertarian candidate. But what I witnessed cool. over the next couple years was almost exactly what you described, where I had all these old liberal friends. I lived in D.C. at the time. And I just all of a sudden, month by month, had less and less in common with that with them, and they started um, just being horrible. <laughs> you know, mm. it was just horrible on almost all fronts. And I started thinking, like you said, Trump just got more and more entertaining. And I started finding, seeking out more things online, finding more good good people, salt of the earth type people on the right wing, mm. and that let me led me to streaming and stuff like that. And that's that's amazing. So um, I've heard from I have a couple you know uk listeners that they they stopped by the program more about a year ago but their claim and they they were mostly remainers and they still are but their claim was that the brexit people didn't receive enough information or they were uneducated or they didn't know why they it was like an emotional vote but any of these things like ring true or is this just like lefty talking points well uh what one thing i'd say to them is does an emotional vote not count hmm like that's the first of all that is like i'm sorry it's if you believe in democracy which we do not have and i can prove that in the rest of the hour by <laughs> explaining what our parliament's been doing for the last year um but like you don't need to know the reasons that's actually an important part of it is like if you're you don't have to reveal your vote to anyone it's done in a private booth and that means that if you're doing it for reasons that people don't approve of that's that still counts that's a that's a vote because that's how democracy works like people's reasons for how they voted it's not on anyone to declare them low information it was a it was a massive cope and also if they're saying that it's like they didn't know what they were voting for no i'm the evidence that you are lying right okay this is a really basic concept should the country make its own laws or should it be subjected exactly. to the laws of of some unelected mess that's built in the Tower of Babel shape like this? This is not yeah. good. This is not a good. Like, let me tell you about this. There's a there's a Green Party candidate who who got he got really big with the left because he's this immigrant. Um, I think he's called Majid Majid, and he was always calling people <laughs> like a, a pussy or bombaclar. Like Boris is a bombaclar blood, and um. And this fella, he got elected to the European Parliament on a Remain ticket, as in we support the European Union. Uh, we're, we're coming out of it, but we're the team that's behind it. As soon as he started his role in there, he like went on a massive tantrum about how he didn't actually have any power. His vote didn't mean anything. This was all a charade. He got completely red-pilled on the EU by wow. being voted into it. Really? <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Amazing. 
Yeah, yeah. When someone, you know, it's just, you know, it happened late for me. You know, there's people that have been what you call like based since the 1980s, 1970s. So in that respect, it happened to me very, very late. And it, it, uh, but it's good, just good to see someone that, you know, the, the tide turns, someone become based, even if it's like an immigrant or a person that was a formal like communist or whatever, to see them kind of get it all of a sudden. And like these people are evil and there's an agenda going on way above our heads and way above, you know, I think that you know your parliament member or your senate member they're almost useful idiots because the power mm-hmm. control is is way above that on i don't know almost on the spiritual level uh, in a weird way uh well yeah like i don't i i just view it in terms of good and evil now mm-hmm. not in terms of i heard you mention like, that i heard you mention like you know it's like a holy war why, why don't you expound mm-hmm. upon that like wh- how do you how do you see these things? And also, how do you tell when something is a person good or evil or is an action good or evil? How do you view things that way? Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you don't actually want to brand people evil. I, th- I think a good way of looking at it is that most people, well, everyone is spending most of their time not sinning, which is proof to me that people are fundamentally good. Mm-hmm. You and me right now are not sinning and you spend most of your day like that. Some people spend more time sinning than others and some are like really devoted to this kind of stuff but uh, i mean have you gotten like what's your religious background have you has it changed in the last four years as well? oh yeah yeah i became yeah. like a strong christian in 2019 I-, I was raised christian and then i fell off i'm sure most people did for you know you know anywhere from 10 to 15 years and mm. you know i'm 33 so around the time when i was 25 i started exploring uh spirituality more a lot of it unfortunately from like the eastern perspective like buddhism you know like same, you know, you know yeah <laughs> yeah like almost what you would call paganism but it led me back to reading the bible again and uh exploring what some call you know online religious extremists <laughs> and, and I yeah. just think they're like incredibly based, uh, you know, good Christian people that either explore homesteading or just following God, trying to align themselves with, with God's will. And that so I became a Christian again in March of 2019. And it's kind of been a path you know, to your path since then. I think that's a, that's similar for a lot of people. Uh, how about yeah, you? I- uh, well, I know it's like a convergence point where it's like over time, the people that I'm listening to and agreeing with are increasingly Christian and they're also less apologetic about it. So yeah. like Jordan Peterson would be an early thing where he Me could too. never commit, but but he would never commit to being a Christian. If you yeah. asked him, like, are you a Christian? He wouldn't say yes. He'd, well, think, how do you answer that question anyway? Sorry, I'm quite good at <laughs> That's that. That's good. That was very nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny how I th- think a lot of people's path to Christianity during this time period was Jordan Peterson. But I, I now think that, that P- Jordan Peterson is one of the mo- most unbased uh, mm. big public figures. Like, I think oh, that he, he, he gets so much wrong and he, he's kind of, it's kind of, uh, pathetic how uncom- non-committal he is and how he kind of like lives out his own trauma on the screen. He like cries mm. all the time. And he's, I think something's weird going on with his family. I could, we, we've done whole shows on Jordan Peterson, but yeah, I think that he's a big, you know, stepping stone to your, your radical. I, I hate calling it that. Cause I think these people are just correct because the world is so, so poisoned by Satan that mm. yeah i just think that it it's almost everything's inverted right now well, right now particularly like i'm the christian thing is particularly important right now because if you understand like 
you know, basic Christian principles, then from that starting point, you can see that what's happened to the world in, in just the last year is completely wrong and completely anti-human. And there are Christians who are arguing it from that viewpoint, from like the Christian viewpoint. This is wrong because you're infringing on our natural God-given rights. Um, it, it, like it, it, this whole thing that's going on is so immoral. Um, and I want to get, get a gauge on, on how bad it is out there where you are in terms of people's complacency. Because yeah. here, like the most base, first of all, the most important thing to our government is vaccine coverage. All that matters to them is Nick. I saw this clip. I saw this clip. You started off your most recent stream with, I could not believe what this guy was saying. No jab, no jab, no job. He doesn't, is it, is that an elected official? No, that this guy has gone viral as like the worst example of the other side. He is the owner of a plumbing company. And as soon as the option came in to enforce like say if you work for my plumbing company you need the vaccine he was like oh, straight on it okay. he was sort of famously the first person to come out like really in favor of vaccine passports but um what what i was gonna say though is like that's the big terrifying issue that's taking over the country but the one where i don't i simply cannot understand why normal people can't object to this because it is too far for yeah. all of my sensibilities is masks in class. Like, yeah, because, it, uh, and I'll tell you one thing as well. Everyone intuitively understands that children of for children of a certain age, this is wrong. So nursery, they're not insisting on it. Primary school, they're pretty loose on it. Secondary school, it's like mandatory. And, and I'm thinking, why you understand that it's bad for children yeah. so it's everyone bad gets for it children. everyone gets that and, and so i mean you know it's, it's funny before about an hour before we came on this came up where i think there's a little bit of a different mindset between american and what you would call maybe the, the commonwealth countries where and even hmm. in just europe and also the middle east where americans have this rugged individualism where on the individual level a lot of us don't comply with a lot of things but on the collective level, there's almost no strength. There's almost no resolve. We don't protest as well as the people over there. Um, I know I have many, many friends that are, you know, vaccines over my dead body and just will never, ever wear a mask ever. But they're not collectivizing with other people. So it's almost, you know, like a, a different mindset. Um, but, you know, I'll, you know, I don't wear a mask ever. Um, I don't have kids. But if I did, I probably would not even... I would probably homeschool them. I would probably not even send them even to a private school. Um, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain amount of the, I heard you bringing this up where like we are the 10% basically like 90% of people are going to, are just complying. They're pro vaccine, they're pro mask and they're going to go along. And all you said that all the people that, that are going to wake up are now woken up. And I, it's like, cool. you know, Yeah. I actually, I I have more faith in that being a higher percentage in America than mm. here. Uh, this yeah. is, this is based on me looking around at how at just how little has happened in the face of something so so horrible. Right. Especially because so like, I think as part of the nationalism thing, it's really important for each country to like rediscover what what it is that makes them them yes. what are, like people people take the piss out of the values thing 
because like anyone can adopt our values, but it's true. Americans are different to the British. You like are the people that escaped our rule. And that's why you've got mm. the second amendment. And and this is all stuff that really matters. And, and my way out of this is going to be different to yours. Wow. That's a very good point. I mean, I th- so I would, what I would say is that I do think there's a higher percentage of people that are non-compliant and are, you know, what you would say, like woken up over there, over here in America. Um, but I think almost the, the percentage needs to be high. I think that in Europe, you could get more done with a smaller percentage because there's more of a collective mindset. Whereas in America, you need a lot of like a lot of people think that just not complying and leaving and saying, I'm going to do me. Just don't bother me. I don't think that's good enough. I think this libertarian thing of I've got my guns. I've got my land, even though I do have my guns and I've got my land. You know, um, I think that it almost doesn't it won't work uh, on a certain level. And the, the problem is the cities. You know, the cities are becoming so bad in America that that the good people are leaving them. But eventually the city mindset is going to move to the country. And that's when we're really in trouble. It's an interesting point because I think that a lot of Americans are just not they're not going to do what they say. But what's going to happen? It's like what time what type of numbers are we talking about here? If it's still 60, if it's 60, 40, 60 percent of the sheeple or normies is still a lot of people. Um, but it just—I mean—we just got done watching these protest videos. You guys know how to protest, uh, and the the right wing or the the woken up people or whatever in America—they don't protest as well, or they get labeled white supremacists in in the process, and mm-hmm. they don't protest for more than a day or two. It's very complicated and confusing. It's a good question. I, yeah, I can try and dig into that. I mean, I mean, first of all. I suppose we do. We don't have any kind of history of protest movements actually resulting in any change. Mm. I'm just going to chuck that out there as my first starting point. Is like, yes, maybe we do get organised, and and the obvious reason for that is we're tiny compared to you, right? England's the size of a state, I think. Yeah. So, uh, and I actually think you guys should be thinking on the state level because yeah. if you're going to like band together. America's enormous. How are you going to do that? And um, and also, everyone votes with their feet, don't they? That's that's what's been going on. Did you move? Yeah. as part of the the past few yes. years as well. Yeah, yeah, I did. yeah. I I so I lived in D.C. for ten years, and and you know, I so I during my twenties, I pursued a career as a professional musician. I'm now a you know music teacher, and I play you know ten instruments or whatever. Um, and so that's what I did with my twenties, and also you know pursued de- degeneracy as much as I could. But I didn't know yeah. it was degeneracy at the time. I just liked partying and stuff. Um, but yeah, just in the past two or three months, I moved to Tennessee, which is very you know pro gun, very you know very good values and stuff like that. So yeah, I definitely moved, voted with my feet. Um, yeah, but. Other people do that, too. The wrong people do that, too. There's a lot of stories coming out of people leaving California and New York and going to red states. And I don't know. It's, time will tell whether they're going to, you know, make it come in line with the values of the places they're going to. They have to take a little of their old, old values. Mm-hmm. People don't change overnight. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can talk about where I am now. Like, I, I it's funny the the people that I've gotten to know really well through this, most of them have been through this as well, where they lived in a city, the city descended into a liberal hellhole where they yeah. basically felt like uncomfortable. And I, 
I, yeah, I believe the city repels you if you're not built for it. And eventually you just, you just got this overwhelming urge to be somewhere else. And that's happened on mass all through like anywhere with white people. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, they've been moving out of the cities and, um, and spreading further afield. But like, And I wanted to argue against what you were saying and that, you know, they're going to come here next and say, well, I do think people are gravitating towards the cities who like that and people who don't are moving away. But, I mean, I live in a very sleepy, posh, middle-class town. And there was a story um, a couple of months ago of, of some lads coming down from London on the train with a baseball bat just hitting the first person they see and getting back on the train. And it's like, how do you escape this kind of stuff? Yeah, that's, that goes on a little bit over here called, it's called the knockout game. I don't know if you've Mm. heard of this. Yeah. So these uh, like immigrant types or these, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a problem. I mean, I've been my whole life, very, what you would not like, necessarily the modern definition of anti-racist like the left uses it but i've always just been like into hip-hop into different cultures Mm. into traveling and stuff like that but i think you got have to be blind in this day and age to not look at these clash of cultures and think that there's there's a huge problem there i don't know how how to fix it or how to address it but it's a huge problem Mm, again it's it's like another one where i i love talking to americans and and doing this across the pond thing but Mm. like but i also don't want us adopting your narrative because it gets exported over here like Mm. black lives matter i mean it's irrelevant anyway but over there it's 13 percent of the population here it's two like we you know ours are and and actually, it was a really good thing that Black Lives Matter got exported over here in terms of waking people up because I think British people even less less than Americans, probably because you've all got different roots and people generally are aware if they're like Irish or Italian, there's you're aware of this kind of stuff. Uh, whereas British people, we've had this like drip drip of immigration for so long and and anti racism just very very subtly seeped into everything until like half our government is indians importing indians and you're like when did this happen (laughs) black lives matter forced everyone to think racially when most people really don't want to and would be resistant like really resistant to that they they want to push it away they want to not think about it and it and it said sorry you don't get an option now you're white yeah, it's it's here. Yeah. So what you know, it was kind of you said it was kind of like a drip, drip, drip. When did it start? I mean, in in America, mm. the it was there was a, a law, I think, in 1967 called the Immigration and Naturalization Act. And maybe 20 or 30 years before that, there have been just various milestones of either immigration or what you would call civil rights and things like that. But when did the UK start you know, the demographic change? When did that really start happening? There's a brilliant speech by Nick Griffin at the EU where he lists all the different reasons that have been given for immigration over time, whether it's um, whether it's uh, to rebuild after the war, after everywhere was bombed, or for certain jobs that people don't want to do, um, which has never been an okay argument. I mean, if you want if you want to say like that's racist, that actually is like saying yeah, we were you know Kelly Osborne, everyone remembers that. Mm. Um, but okay in terms of the time scale it started like pretty much in the at the end of the 1940s you got the first waves from 
um, the Caribbean, but it went haywire when Tony Blair got in in 1997. That's when it just went absolutely nuts. And and the thing is, it's not like he goes out of office and then it goes down. The thing no. is, it keeps going up. And yep. and now we're in this situation. Where it, and so you're running in these kind of circles and some people are like very, very, very pro-white. And it's yep. almost hard to drag that along because it's an optics nightmare. Yep. So I quite like looking at the most, so just a situation that you just, you know is wrong and the one right now is like there's footage of boats coming in at dover which is our southern port that france is the nearest point to every single day and there's a guy who goes down there he's called steve laws he films it every day and counts how many people are coming in and they're taken on to coaches and put in hotels uh they're always men 18 to 30 no women no children every single day and our home secretary is an indian woman who just before she was made home secretary was in a bit of trouble for taking uh taking a holiday to israel and having some meetings and that was mainstream news as well um but like she's supposed to be a hard ass on this and they set her up as a hard ass on immigration and they said she was going to rule with an iron fist and we're all stuck in our houses whilst this footage is coming in every single day and it's not that they're like on dinghies just making it to shore they're being helped by yeah, they're people being taken with... care of much like yeah. over here yeah it's yeah i mean yeah the, but how do people not millions of people still don't see that as clearly wrong it's it's the same thing happens over here where where people cross the southern border in the hundreds i mean i think it's you know 500 kids a day are being held in these are, are crossing over the southern u.s border it's to me one of the first red pills i i i took on policy was immigration i was like this is wrong like you know even if they were russian or white or you know whatever it's still like not you're still being replaced and because they have a different skin color, you can be called racist or whatever. Um, but just the fact that they're young men without families coming into a welfare state, it's it's so wrong. Like, how do people, the, the, the common citizen that, you know, on the other side, how do they not see it? Is it brainwashing? What do you think is going on? Okay, so, I mean, there's two parts to this, which is... I'm really I'll, I'll do the first part first which is like it sickens me the people that are like nominally on our side but are just kind of quiet and uh, and aren't as angry like we've woken up through this and we now do daily streams covering this stuff because it kind of feels like a duty to raise the alarm bell so I'm really sickened by all these people that were like conservatives before I was and yet I'm doing anything. Um, so, so they suck, but the, <laughs> the, the other side is the people that support this nonsense. And I am increasingly of the opinion that they all have mummy and daddy issues. Dude. Oh my gosh. Reason, I've been saying yeah. the same thing for like four months. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. It's, it's parent. Yeah. It's, I think specifically daddy issues. It's like a masculine. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I shouldn't say this because it's sort of like, it's about a friend. Uh, but there's no there's no way in hell he'll find this, so it's fine. But I, I spoke to a friend who's completely blue-pilled on everything, okay? And and this is the thing. I want to see if I can still do this. He doesn't have enough of a problem with me to cut me out of his life. I don't want to be that guy either, mm. right? So, so, but he 
left the UK and he works in another country. Uh, and he loves it. He loves it so much. He's so proud of what he's been able to do there. And he always talks about it in comparison to Britain, always slagging off Britain. He's also massively in favor of the EU, massively gung-ho for climate change, etc. all of this stuff. And I realized when I was talking to him, your dad wasn't at home, was he? You didn't, you, you, because he dropped it in. He said like, yeah, you know, growing up with a single mum, it's really good to have, uh, to have made it to this point. And I was like, that's really interesting. You didn't have a daddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And my, my parents were divorced when I was very young and I, I still feel like the inklings of having a fight. It's just, there's just something about it or either having like a weak father or no father or a messed up home life that makes you think like an inverted in a kind of an inverted way. You, are, how, I don't know if we, how personal we want to get or whatever, but do you have like a good relationship with your parents? Like how, how is your upbringing? How'd that go? Well, they're, they're still married. I'm okay. living with them right now. I okay. got, I got divorced. Um, what was it? Two years ago. And that was sort of like, there was, so much stuff happened at once, which meant yeah. my life fell apart. And I just like made a channel out of the, uh, out of the wreckage and went, hello, internet. My life is awful. <laughs> where you at come it's the right wingers this sucks i don't know anyone and it's gone quite well ever since wow. but, um that's fast so like, fascinating yeah. about the da- mommy and daddy issues so i don't mean to, to cut you or interrupt you but that's that's i think that's like truth is truth man and that's just fascinating to hear you say the mommy and daddy issues thing <laughs> it, 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 well you know i think that side are led by women aren't they yeah right the 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 lefty globalist side is led is led by women um and the question is like what's going on in the psychology of this woman these women one okay let me tell you about uh one from a few years ago because she's a really interesting case of like she's not what you would have expected a feminist to be but there was this girl i knew who decided that feminism was good for social capital so she was going to be a feminist normally you expect these to be bespectacled horrible hair right this girl was very good looking, like oh, a proper model. Interesting. And and she was doing it to climb the social ladder because it was popular at the time and also the LGBT thing. So she like knew all the best gays and was working this kind of weird angle. What they don't realize is that does not attract a man. Like men are not attracted to these kind of posts. They're going to run a mile. But I, she was one of the first people I got in Facebook spats with. Uh, most men wouldn't bother because she's too hot and and i'm just like i don't care <laughs> she's, well, well she's never gonna sleep with me anyway i don't know yeah. really bothered don't that's good for you wrong. man that's great <laughs> um and okay what's really funny about this is like so what i'm really reacting to with all this feminist stuff is me as a guy that's not a rapist and is never going to be a rapist continually being told i am one like, oh, it's just in there, you know, it's at the back of your head. It's waiting there at all times. Like, you don't really know. You, you're a man. And I just got fed up with this and um, and would have these spats with her. And I remember her coming into the bar where I worked and we sort of locked eyes. And, um, and I, I said to her, like, what do you want me to do? And she just said, call it out. I want you to call it out. 
And then it's only a few months later I'm, I'm learning about how bad the grooming gang situation is in the UK, saying that publicly and being told I'm a massive racist by the same girl. I'm like, you don't care about this what at all. What the hell, man? What is this world? I mean, so that's interesting. I, when I listened to your streams from the last uh, last couple of days, um, I heard the the name Tommy Robinson for the first time in a couple of years. And I was a pretty mm. big fan in you know early 2019, but you know I'd stopped... I started my channel. He kind of disappeared from the public sphere. I know a lot of people that call him like a, a shill for Israel now. I didn't really like look into that. But um, so are you just discovering this now or did, um, you know, are the grooming gangs still going on in 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 the UK? Like, what's the deal with that? Oh, it's the most depressing thing about it. The like that was that's the first big like awakening um so brexit brexit you know that's yeah that was step one and that's a sort of that's like a procedural thing it's all legal and that and then you know finding out that tommy robinson is not far right and an extremist and a racist not was, at all like it's difficult to explain how this feels in the uk compared to america because i think he was just sort of he's like on it he is different to all the other figures, all your Milos and your Gavins and um, and all of this, because the mainstream were reporting on him all the time, uh, and the and the cloud of toxicity was it was so so strong. It was like, do not look in this box. This man is evil. He is so evil. Um, and and yeah, I I think his speech at the Oxford Union. I don't know if you've seen that, but like. Uh, I mean that changed. How long everything. ago? Wh- when was that speech? Probably 2017. I'm sure I've seen it. Yeah, because I try. Yeah. I went back and uh, I get a little obsessive when I uh, investigate a personality or whatever. I remember watching, you know, at least 15 of his speeches, and I'm sure I I, I watched that one. Um, he seemed like a pretty normal guy, kind of a protective father. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I mean there was. It was funny. There was a woman in the office who was. Uh, she voted leave. And as soon as I became a Leave supporter, I'd have these little conversations with this woman from Yorkshire in secret. Um, and and I was really excited about it because I was discovering this new... I needed people that agreed with it as well. So anyone I could find, I was like, oh, a friend, awesome. Mm, and yeah. she said to me, um, like, well, my political beliefs are a bit unorthodox. Free Tommy Robinson. Mm. And that was just after he'd been sent to jail, I think. And, and it'd been, you know... the it was unfair and it was unlawful. And that was what the whole protest was about. And she dropped that like just after that had happened. And I was like, what? And that night went home. I was like, I, I guess I better look into this. Yeah. And, uh, but that's how it goes, isn't it? And it takes like, you can't drag someone down that road. Can you, you decide that you're going to look into that issue yeah. and find out what it's about. And, and that's what kind of sucks is I think that, the world's been divided into leaders and followers yeah hey we're we're leaders i guess yeah yeah so so i heard you mention um so do you you know i'm 
like I said before, a little late to the party on, on a, few, a couple of these these issues. And the race thing is is one of them. I'm still like holding on tight to my you know background as you know a multiculturalist, even though I know multiculturalism is is, is a disaster. But like no, I'm a rapper, but... I'm a rapper, man. Like like I've I'll never lose my like '90s hip hop influence. But I heard you mention like you know kind of poking fun at the idea of of like a race war in one of your streams. You know, do you think that's a possibility? And and what is a race war? I don't even know what it even looks like but is that just a a meme at this point or what what do you think the racial situation as far as multiculturalism is how it's how it's going to end do you think there's going to be violence like do you see yourself you know you know getting into conflict with other races like how do you feel about this whole idea no yeah i mean i've got a couple of questions that i'd like to pitch to you first which is about not giving up who you were yeah which is a really interesting part of the red pill thing You've, you've just then said like I'm a rapper, I'm into 90s hip-hop, and that matters to you, right? And uh, and I'm the same way. I can also draw quite a clear line between black culture that I think is great and black culture yes. that I think is appalling. And yes. I think it's really obvious as well. I think yeah. it's really clear which hip-hop is decent quality and what's trash. And yeah. what, has there been any good stuff in the mainstream in decades? I don't think so. No, yeah, I mean, so I definitely agree with that. We talk about I talk about that a lot on my on my show, where it's like there's this inner city uh, black culture that has like a a blatant disregard for human life, even disregard mm. for its own life. Um, and there's definitely a uh, a, pr- a proud aspect, you know, to like the good black culture, as we say. Um, I think that's also true about almost any culture. There's a self destructive aspect to the bad stuff a sinful aspect and there's a um there's a you know a productive positive or you know pride in a good way aspect Mm. to like being proud of what you do of creating something positive uh to all cultures but i think it's on display a lot in in black culture in the western world right now but i yeah i i'll never get rid of my you know 90s upbringing you know loving good uh black stand-up comedy uh, mm. you know, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a jazz piano player. So I, I like that aspect of, of, of black culture. Um, and yeah, I'll never give it up all the way, but I, I just, you, you look at them at, you know, what you're shown. It's almost what you're not shown. If you look, if you watch the, the mainstream media, you think that, you know, white people are the problem or yeah, it's not like one people group is just the problem. But if you do a little bit of digging, like a, a vast majority of the overt violence is done by black people and the way it's not like they're listening to like outcast or run run dmc you know they're listening they're, they're quoting rappers from the modern the modern day which i totally reject i mean it's total garbage like you said um but it's interesting i mean i i don't know it's it's definitely there are aspects of your youth you must get rid of you know, I, there's but there's there's stuff that you don't want to and there's st- stuff that you that you shouldn't get rid of. You know, like I will never use lose my ability to laugh at something, make a joke out of something. I've, I'll always be kind of naive, trusting, innocent person. I think that's good. Um, and, you know, but you can't be that way around everybody or you'll just get knocked out or robbed or whatever. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm I mean, just, it's, it's it's complicated. I'm just thinking on um, on sort of the way that you're describing race there it's like i believe that every race is being sold like the worst 
message they could possibly yeah. be sold in their own way by yeah. Hollywood and Netflix, right? So a good example of this is, did you come across a show called The Good Life? No, never heard of it. it was, I mean, it was rubbish, but it was just some some Netflix pap. But it like it's a really good example of this because there's a black scientist in it, and then there's an Asian guy who's like really goofy. Um, this orient and what they're doing there is it, it's not just that they're inverting stereotypes; they're inverting reality. Like Asians are not allowed into Harvard in as big numbers because they're doing too well, so they need to push the idea that Asians are like. And sort of like it's like a Stifler character. This and it's just like that's not how they act, really at all. Well, yeah. Whereas, whereas the black guy is a really well-spoken scientist, and and you're just like, look, black kids don't aspire to that. They aspire to being ba- basketball players or rappers, for the <laughs> like, most part. Yeah. Uh, and so, so how it applies to like white people is, especially in these spheres as well, is that you you got to recognize the Achilles heel of, of each race. It's probably, it's probably not on to diagnose it in the others. It's probably not fair for me to be like, this is what's wrong with black people. This is yeah. what's, what's wrong with Jews. Um, but, yeah. I, um, I, I think on one hand you might be right, but I, but that would mean if you push that out, that um, conclude conclusion to its logical outcome, that means no one could ever criticize something from the outside ever. You know, so, oh, yeah, that's you know true. what I mean? So I think that it's I lean more towards it's all fair game because we're critical thinking humans that can notice mm. stuff. So it's oh, like, well, you know, you're not black. We know I'm not black. But but, you know, it's it's like, th- th- first of all, they can criticize white people all day or women can criticize mm. man. It, it really, really only works in one direction. So I say have at it. Yeah, no, no, that's true. That's that's totally fair. Um, I just meant when we it, like the sort of mirror of of people that really like to talk about like race and iq and the yeah i'm not one of them is, yeah i mean I, they're fans of my show i got something that you know i'm friends with some of them or whatever but yeah i know what you're saying well the point is what does that <laughs> does that help anyone like i think you need to be pro your own thing uh, and therefore you also need to be like honest about it i i just do believe that there's a lot of cope in alt-right white circles yes. where they're like white people are just amazing and we built the world and i'm like okay but we're in a terrible situation most white people are doing jack all to fix this sorry that's yeah. just the truth yes that's a real yeah and i i heard you bring up something on a stream too where you know you mentioned almost that same thing about like iq how iq is misleading or it's not really it it's really wisdom and discernment uh and i completely yeah. agree with that that it's it, it, it you could be the there's dumb people that completely get it and there's smart people that are trying to destroy the world yeah exactly so like the guy that i was chatting to who i said had the daddy issues he's he's got the same iq as me we went to university together we're about the same we were always friends because we're sort of about the same no discernment whatsoever probably believes that that you know trans women are women and all this i i I won't ask because he probably does um but my best friend in my office job was it clearly you know below average iq um but he voted for Brexit and I asked him very early on, why did you do it? And he just said, well, I've got to think about my kids. Yeah. And it was, and, and I sort of went, what, what do you mean? And he couldn't even really expand on what he meant. It was, it was just like a feeling. 
And you know what that means, don't you? It's like voting for this is protecting my country and my kids more than more than staying a part of this massive immigration machine. You know? Yeah, and I think you might have mentioned something this earlier. Yeah, you did, where it, it, it almost the reason as according to someone else doesn't even matter. You know, no, it, it might it be objectively, okay, it's, it, it might be objectively true that Brexit was the wrong decision, just like my my desire to want to, you know, build a wall and militarily close the southern border might be the wrong decision. But who owns right and wrong? Like, who really is it? A person that has a college degree gets to tell me what right and wrong is? You know, we're all just humans. And, like, it almost doesn't matter. Like, I want security. This makes no sense. Even if you can show me a chart that's like, oh, the academic costs, the charts say that, you know, the the workers, whatever of this graph is, says that we should let them all in. It's kind of like the your reason isn't mine, so shut up. Well, it makes you really disgusted, doesn't it, to um, the, the really extreme – like, because basically they're calling you idiots, mm-hmm. aren't they? And that's what um, – that's what happened on the BBC for just for, until our last election. It was four years of being told why Brexit was a bad idea and it should never have been voted for and what are some compromises that we can do. Everyone's arguing for like the mildest form of this and to overturn it. Uh, and But the level on top of that, which is worse than the, the talking heads, is the comedy right is when the late night shows also pile in and like how i mean how badly do you react to the likes of your sort of just the attitude that like john oliver had he was the one that made me feel really really sick as i started to to like just i I subbed to the donald subreddit because everyone said it was full of white supremacy and i went (laughs) on it and it was just like this is lovely this is actually like really wholesome it's just like nice pictures of the donald and melania for the bulk of it it actually wasn't anywhere near as edgy as described and then and and as you say like arguments for for just basic border control and then you turn on this guy from who's from england sorry not sure what he's doing there and then trevor noah is from south africa and they're telling you that your entire population morons for for wanting basic safety like it's really offensive it's really offensive yeah, stuff. and not funny either i you know i've i've definitely encountered my share of comedians and entertainers that that were really wrong about stuff and were insulting me and, and things like that but at least they were kind of funny and i just think the comedy has taken a huge dive it's just not funny anymore the late night stuff especially it's just so cringe and you know i would i'd rather it be funny and insulting to me than unfunny and i agree with it but it's neither it's it's mm. offensive to, it's insulting to me and it's just terrible the punchlines are terrible there's built-in laugh tracks that they they just they brainwash everybody it's it's terrible <laughs> yeah well it's i th- it's the last gasp of a dying mm. thing isn't it Good you point. know you have to assume that if the numbers on this would, were so good, why are they being artificially inflated by YouTube? Why is YouTube having to push stuff that's on TV? It's because no one's watching TV. Yeah. So, like, I, it, yeah, I, I think they're catering to a very small number of people at this point. But also, I think all those people have mummy and daddy issues mm-hmm. as well. Like, I don't think that any argument is going to make my friend's dad 
come back into his childhood he is always gonna like have this resentment against his home country and prefer the fact that he moved and he's doing better and my one's crumbling yeah it's kind of like that i'm sure it's like it's almost that it gets into the idea of you know your your tribe is an extension of your family and your nation is an extension of your tribe and if you have a problem with the first step it's going to expound into issues out there so you know if you if you hate yourself you'll hate your family if you hate your family you'll hate your tribe if you hate your tribe you'll hate your nation and then all of a sudden you'll be you know pro overthrow of your culture and yeah the word if you come across the word dysgenic no, I've heard it. Uh, you know, I, I try to stay away from from intellectual circles as, as much as I can. Well, what does that well, word no, mean? It, yeah, yeah. What is it's that? A, it's a it's a really useful word. I mean, eugenics is this terrifying concept because that's like only allowing people of really good genetic stock to breed and making it legal for anyone. And, and this this kind of stuff, and that's supposedly <laughs> bad, even though. Uh, probably help a society and but dysgenic is the opposite which is where you push policies ideologies ideas that uh are built to destroy your country and once you spot that absolutely everything that the left is like devoted to is dysgenic then it suddenly falls into place so lgbt that's that's dysgenic because no one's reproducing no one's creating babies that's celebrating every possible type of sex apart from reproductive sex so that's incredibly dysgenic uh open borders open borders incredibly dysgenic abortion boom how big do they push abortion uh and obviously the most extreme version has got to be We've got to be transgenderism. Yeah, you, know, you just just neuter it. Just stop any chance of you ever reproducing. Everything they do is dysgenic. Yeah, it's like collective suicide. Yeah, every yeah. policy. That wow, pushing, that's a I, very helpful why, word. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's so. I, yeah, if you try and stay away from the big fancy brain stuff, dysgenic. Keep Not that bad. one with yeah, you. I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'm gonna use that all the time. You know, maybe I should rethink my worldview. That's very nice. <laughs> yeah, there's a um, there's a. a English uh, professor or doctor called Dr. Edward Dutton. Have you come across him? No. His theories are so entertaining and so funny. It's as if he's been dropped from like 100 years ago. He's this really proper English gent who's just eccentric. And, uh, but he, he explains this kind of stuff like why is Extinction Rebellion a death cult? In fact, shall I find some of his video titles for you? Yeah, please do. Um, That'd be great. Um... Just... J- the kind of topic, because this idea is all from him. He's got a basic sort of genetic theory about why why the West is currently on a suicide mission. And he makes it really funny. So, like, how lefty Spencer Cope is turning into a death cult. Uh, why postmodernists don't have souls. Uh, why incels need to start going to church. Mm. And, this, and this is all, like... This is all from a scientific perspective. He's like crunching the data and he's like proved that Christianity is like the world's ultimate sort of super weapon yeah. for, for building the, but he's like proved it through science. He's like, that I'm, is awesome. I'm not a Christian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's not a Christian. Uh, well, well, no, he doesn't commit to that. Like I, I, I think I asked him if he was a Christian and he said, it's a complicated question. 
Okay, cool. So yeah. do you do you do interviews and stuff too? I mean, the last the three or four streams I watched were just solo. But do you have like a do you upload your stuff as a podcast too, and like do interviews or what? What else do you do? I mean, at the moment, it's sort of it's done in the radio style where like you sort of tune in for those hours, and that's when it's there, and like, and that's just because it gets taken down from everywhere. Like, if I could reliably save it. Anyway, I've got D live replays, but um, I, th- I think we're way off that. I did do interviews before. I was doing one a week, um, and then just just stopped a few months ago. But I ma- I made it to like sixty or seventy people before before stopping, and it was it was really fun. It was just a really good way of learning about everything is to sort of give give someone else two hours um, to give their thing because I tried to start with like here's some men's rights people over here. Here's some nationalist types over here. And I'd like to move back into that where it's people who have just come into the fight because of lockdown. They're the people I want to speak to next. Cool. Cool. So I heard you mentioned uh, on one of your streams that you're, you're not a nationalist anymore that you've kind of given up that label. Well, I think you called it uh, unuseful or something like that. Why don't you explain your kind of views on why that's true? I, I got the feeling that maybe it was either tongue in cheek or, you know, for the sake of, I don't know if optics is the right word, but yeah, when a, when a label gets unuseful, it's sometimes time to find a better label. I, I still consider myself a nationalist, just because I, I'm part of the American nation, I'm not going anywhere. I'm never moving. <laughs> um, so I want to pursue what is, and I think the nation is the best way to divide up, divide up national power. <laughs> you know, well, um, we, yeah. we oppose globalism. Yeah. Therefore, we are nationalists. Yes. Like I'm not getting around that. I feel I want- the same way. Yep. Uh, and in, in fact, it's really like insidious here because they're trying to break up the union. They don't want the UK to remain the UK. So you've got these parties being pushed, which are separatist parties for Scotland and Wales. And there's even one for the North, which is ridiculous. They want to split England in two. Um, wow. yeah, I don't know where that was. That's not very popular. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so like to say I'm not a nationalist is preposterous. What that's really a reference to is purity spiraling, mm. which like... Honestly, having affixed to this label, because I didn't have to affix to the label nationalist, my God, there's just swarms of weird, anonymous men demanding that I be a certain way. You're not a nationalist unless you uh, do. Well, do you want me to go through the list? <laughs> I mean, you uh, you have to talk about Zionism above Muslims, obviously. Uh, anyone that's focused on like the grooming gangs, you're not talking about the root of the problem. You're a cuck. You don't count. Um, <laughs> even, no, literally, there are people that are like actually working towards deportations for specific rapists and uh, and like blocking mosque applications. Actually, like battling the Islamization on the ground, and they will be called cucks because at the end of the day, they don't say. But, but it's, the, it's the Jews. Like, wow. Seriously, so people that are actually working towards, you know, a specific solution, if they don't mm. comply on the right, you know. That's not a nationalist. That's a yeah. civic nationalist, apparently, mm. according to this conception. You also need to, you need to lift, bro. I mean, yes, you do need to lift, bro. Um, <laughs> you need to box as well. Uh, you, 
also the best detail about it is that you need to be anonymous because if there's any evidence that you were at all lefty like 10 years ago well you're not pure like there's there's this photo of me in a dress from when i was like 18 at some fancy dress party that the that a significant number of nationalists think is a reason why no one should listen to me now and this is why i'm like this term is useless there's something, oh, there's something about this term I is going wrong is um and i wanted yeah. to ask you about the libertarian label because um everyone has been laughing at libertarians as a sort of as an ideology that doesn't work yeah. for for a couple of years on the on the more right-wing circles yeah they're, they're sort of a lol cow and i'm just looking at our situation now and i'm like sorry all the libertarian arguments work with our with our lockdown thing all the guys that are like branded libertarians in the uk they were arguing against this from day one they've been proven right um I'm actually more fond of that label in 2021 than I was in 2019. Fascinating. That's very yeah. interesting. Okay, so I okay, so my my background. Okay, so I started like when you live in DC. When I came to DC, I wasn't I I didn't care about politics at all. But a certain you know, if you're in DC, you got to learn how to talk politics a little bit. I started getting into you know what you would call conspiracies and news and stuff like that. And I was basically a liberal at the time, and uh, and that was about a five to six year process until I became a libertarian. What do you call like a lefty libertarian? And then I swung pretty hard right libertarian. And then I, now I'm, you know, kind of going up the authoritarian, these labels they're they're useful at a certain point. They also suck at a, at, at a certain point um, in, you know, de- you're definitely right about in the right wing far right or whatever circles that libertarianism has become, you know, a, a, like a meme in itself that just to be laughed at, um, you're definitely right about that. Uh, it, it all it all depends on what your your definition of the word is. I mean, extreme libertarianism is being completely anti-government. Um, yeah, that would be like ANCAP. Yeah, ANCAP and I was yeah, the... and I when I started my program in January of 2019, I was an ANCAP. Um, wow, I, yeah. I always thought lib, I always kind of had them like ANCAP is the sort of comedy extreme position that could never actually exist and it's like an ideal whereas libertarianism is like okay if we were to actually have a reasonable version of this it would look like that yeah so i you know the 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 ancap rebuttal to that that saying is why would you you know if if uh violent coercion from the state is bad why is a little of it good um, I don't believe that anymore. That's why I'm not a ANCAP anymore. I, my, the reason I'm not, I mean, I'm pretty anti-government. The reason I'm not a full ANCAP anymore is I don't think it's kind of weird. It's almost, I feel like it's not in God's plan. I think that God, you know, mm. there's like something about reality that makes government always going to, government is always going to be there. So the more that you, you try to like eradicate it entirely, the more you're almost like fighting God's plan. And we don't fully understand God's ways. So there's these people that I mean, I, I don't know. I've never really encountered a full full libertarianism is anarcho capitalism. When you take the libertarian arguments to their their logical well, moral outcome, you get anarcho capitalism because their argument is that government is violent coercion and that's immoral so you're supposed to get rid of all of it so um 
So you leaves you, but like vol- another uh, label for another way of saying anarcho-capitalism is voluntarism, which means mm. every single interaction between humans should be voluntary. Um, I get that. That's why I, near the end of my ANCAP days, I started calling myself a, a voluntarist rather than an, an ANCAP. And I still kind of am. I want as many uh, interactions between people, peaceful people to be voluntary as possible but then i started thinking about parenting you know there there is a certain like there's a certain argument that would say that even having a kid is a violation of the non-aggression principle or is like a is is a violation of voluntarism because they didn't choose to be had and you won't let them leave now if they leave and they're two they'll probably fall in a sewer or get hit by a car so it kind of flips it, but there is a weird kind of sick argument for that parenting is a violation of the the non-aggression principle, which is uh, – so I just think at, at when you take it that far – I'm all about liberty. I still think that peaceful people should have liberty and that li- liberty is a virtue, but there's something about taking it all the way that is almost satanic, not as satanic yeah. as, as an, uh, anarcho-communism where they say they're not fans of the government, but then they're trying to make a commu- a forceful commune, which makes no sense either. Um so I agree with the ANCAPs more than the lefties, but I j- I'm all I'm constantly struggling with what the role of government is. But it's just in, you're the first person I've talked to on the right in a while that says that that libertarianism appears more appealing in 2021. Most people I'm talking to are like, this is a joke. These arguments are stale, but the arguments do work on a certain, uh, uh, they make a lot of sense on most levels. It's just the ones that they don't make sense on are a little tough to deal with. Yeah. Like open my, borders my, is one of them. My, my position on, on the libertarian thing and my fondness for it this year is it, it's not really like, oh, if society worked like this, then it would be better. It's much more if everyone in the UK thought like a libertarian, then the lockdown would never have happened. Yeah. And we wouldn't be in this mess. So that's that's really what I mean by yeah, it. Yeah, you're that, right about that, yeah. man. Yeah, you're right. Because that's kind of what I kind of gets to what I was saying earlier about the, the libertarianism is kind of ingrained in the, the US value system. So you, mm. I don't know if we need that much more of it as from a, a mindset perspective. I mean, we, we have guns. I mean, the, the day the Second Amendment goes away is the day that there's going to be a civil war here. Um, well, you, do you, I mean, you've always had a small libertarian movement as a sort of third option, right? Yeah, um, not, not really as far as a party, but as far as a culture, no. for sure. But, but but as far as just existing as an ecosystem, whereas yeah. I think over here, the libertarians are the edgy conservatives. They're basically like, uh, you know, you've got certain columnists that support the Labour Party and you've got some that sort of support the, the conservative party. And they'll be the edgiest ones among <laughs> them because they've like they're into Bitcoin or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's funny. Well, like I like these people. I yeah. actually think, and also, um, they were being laughed at right at the start of the lockdown by the the far right types, and it's be- and 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 the psychology of that one because I have discovered I don't think I'm a fascist. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think I've discovered that, like, <laughs> they actually enjoyed seeing some nice big state action, whereas the libertarians were like. Hang on, 
This is this is my freedoms that have gone here. And because of that, like I noticed last year, um, none of the energy was coming from the nationalist circles. It was all coming from like David Icke and the conspiracy wings and the five G people. They were the ones that were like actually sort of getting organized, doing these protests, as you describe. Um, and they had so much energy, whereas like this kind of nationalist thing that I'd gotten involved with uh, towards the tail end of, of the year before, I still believe it all. It's not wrong about anything. I just don't think it's the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely will. I, I don't know if you look at, you know, my libertarian viewpoint, there's a certain level where I will never get more libertarian, but I'll never get less libertarian either. I oppose the lockdowns from the start. I oppose, you know, when Donald Trump moved trillions of dollars around in a spending package or a bailout, I completely oppose. I mean, I'm completely anti-usury and uh, bailouts and too big to fail. So I, I'll always be a liberal, little bit of a libertarian. The thing is, is that the the libertarian party, like over here, there's a big difference between small L libertarian and big L liber- libertarian. The, the, the big, big L libertarian means you're about the libertarian party. And they're a joke. They're a, they've uh, okay. been infiltrated by wokists, and you know there's a segment called the yeah. Mises Caucus that's trying to take over the Libertarian Party. But even then, even them, a lot of them are open borders types. They're pro sexual degeneracy. Um, like I don't think government. I don't know what the role of, for government is in you know controlling the sex and the degeneracy, the sexual degeneracy aspect of of a a society i would like it to be zero but right now i mean i don't see like transgenderism uh gay and like pedophilia and abortion as unlinked i see them as all perversions away from a healthy sexual society and the libertarianism has no answer for that like, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I really like that you, you basically proved there by, by just following arguments to their logical conclusions with, with this example of children, it being selfish to have a child. Like you've proved um, that this thing is atheistic, or, yeah. or, which is also dysgenic. And it, like that word again, anything that's arguing for like less children is dysgenic. And that and yes. kind of proved... That that's in there and what was was really interesting is yeah you said well i think that god's plan has a space for this what i want to ask you as an american because we might have a different perspective on this is is the idea of a king completely ridiculous no hell no okay. no cool. no 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 i've definitely dabbled with monarchy for sure um mm. yeah yeah no definitely I, I mean number one christ is king um, yep. number one, uh, but also, no, I, th- I think at a certain level, whatever works, works. Um, I definitely, the, the monarchy seems like the highest, highest risk, highest reward, you know, because he's got to pass on his, uh, pass on the, the government to a son. Uh, that's some, that has ended terribly many times in history. Um, I don't necessarily think that the, uh, like, you know, this is definitely a hot take. A lot of, I share it with some of my fans, but a lot of them not. Um, I don't necessarily think that the American revolution was a good thing. Um, uh-huh. you know, so it's like, you know, cause that's a violent, violent overthrow of, of something that was, I mean, I believe or, uh, on a certain level, on a lot of levels that governments are ordained by God, the Bible kind of 
says this, especially yeah. in the Old Testament, that, you know, that that God ordains the nations and he's the one that that causes governments to rise and fall. So I definitely am not in charge of this. Uh, mm. God is. But, you know, who are who is one to say that that a that we should violently overthrow um, God's order? You know, it's very it's complicated, but no, I'm definitely dabbled in monarchy. Um, I think the best, honestly, like one of the best forms of government would be some sort of benevolent libertarian king. I mean, it's about a chain of command and accountability, really, isn't it? And and the reason, like, I'd never really can. I, I certainly oppose the royal family because they protect pedophiles uh they've done they've let all this happen under their watch that's clearly not a benevolent king like no. the difference in this country from lizzie sitting on the throne to to finally leaving it is you you can't even imagine how much this country's changed and she's just sat through it so this is not an example of like a monarchy functioning in the in the way that i would want it to but the really based guys that I, I talk to that have thought about this for years and years and years, they're, they're all like proper monarchists, and, uh, but not this one. Yes. It's all, uh, and it's all about a chain of accountability. Like the, uh, the, the landlord looks after the, the, the peasants and, mm-hmm. the, um, and the king looks after the dukes, etc. but... God looks after the king and the king is accountable to God. And what, what you said there about like, you don't need a king in that chain, but you certainly need the government to understand that they're accountable to God. And we have this with Brexit as well. Like, do you know who Jacob Rees-Mogg is? Mm-mm. Okay. Well, so he, one he thing was... that I, that I, I just want to get in there real fast is that I enjoy how, you know, a lot of people that are, that are British, I listen to their podcast or whatever, they will skim the surface level, but I listen to your streams and you will say in a stream, like 30 names that I've never heard in my entire life. And I'll just, you know, I'll type it in a search engine. I get in trouble for saying Googling, but yes, I do still use Google. I know I'm cringe. Um, duck, but anyway, duck, go it. <laughs> yeah, duck, duck, go it. Yeah, it, it doesn't, <laughs> you know, roll off the tongue like that. Yeah, but yeah, you get real, you, you know a lot about your your home system, and I respect that. So who's this well, guy? I, yeah, you're talking about? I, I, I mean, I've got, like it used to be, I used to just be a musical encyclopedia. That was all it was. I yeah. wanted to learn every subgenre inside out. So that, and, and the reason for this is so that I could have a conversation with absolutely anyone about music. Like we could do, we could hop into this right now. And, <laughs> and I used to have these conversations where people would say like, Oh, you've got exactly the same taste as me. And I'm like, no, I don't I just <laughs> I know, this know game. everything you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then 2016, I just didn't care about music anymore and just did this instead because I had, had no interest in politics. And, I, and to be honest, Brexit was absolutely fascinating. Like the way that they, they screwed about with the whole thing, all of the procedures that you learned about if you followed it day by day, uh, also the fact that it, it was a complete affront to like what they should have been doing. It was a great, wow. it was a great way of learning it all, man. Wow, that's um, a, that, dude. We we were really a lot alike in that way. I mean, same thing with me. Around 2016, 2017, I started getting like I still play music every day. I mean, I've I actually booked a couple gigs. I'm going to start gigging, which is nice. crazy. I can't believe I'm playing shows again. Um, 
and uh, that's and that's just because of where I live. Uh, but yeah, I was try I tried my hardest to be an encyclopedia in my twenties, um, and it's kind of the exact same thing where. I'd be able to talk. I'm not the biggest metal fan, but I would, I can talk about it. Cause I just, I'm a student of history. I've always been a student of history and just might as well, if I'm l- learning to be a professional musician, might as well learn as much as I can. I, you know, I don't know. I probably won't get in trouble for this. Maybe the people that I, yeah, no one will ever find out about this. Um, I used to, there was rock history and jazz history classes in the college that I went to and I would go in and take people's tests for them. <laughs> and to to get them a good grade and they didn't feel like they would pay me like 150 bucks <laughs> to, to like pa- pa- pass their test for them and it, you know yeah i just wanted to learn you just as- knew it yeah i just knew it i didn't have to study one bit <laughs> i just oh yeah. man the idea of like getting a qualification for that oh my god i would have breezed that yeah that been so easy yeah but it, it, was, it wasn't like there's there was a degree in it it was one of your you know electives or one of your yeah, yeah. your puff courses or whatever that you could just fill slots but i made good money and they and that well, was good money at the time and they got to stay home for a day and not study and <laughs> oh i never turned mine into money yeah well, no i did i dj'd for 10 years yeah so, yeah so i got paid for my music taste but, yeah, yeah so we've been talking for about 75 minutes wherever let's for the last little topic let's talk about like your djing you know i heard you mention um that you you're, you haven't really done gigs in a while um that makes sense because there's a lockdown but uh why don't you how did you start djing do you also play instruments have you been in bands mm-hmm. like what's your musical background and why don't we just talk about that yeah no no i mean the dream for for any white teenager is to be Kurt Cobain, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but hopefully not as depressed. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, got got a Fender, learned my power chords. That was me up until um, 20, I think. I think I was 20 um, when I then got a set of decks because I was I just scratching is just the coolest thing, isn't it? It's like being able to do basketball tricks. It just looks so cool. Yeah. Everyone wants to know how to do that. And so... And I did as well, but I also, with the musical encyclopedia thing, I always used to make like playlists for parties and stuff like that, and was obsessed <laughs> too, with soundtracking. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 yeah. At twenty, I bought a set of turntables, learned how to use them. Le- Do you know what Serato is? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah, I yeah, used to have it exactly. As soon as I found out this was a thing, I was like, "Oh my god, I don't need to buy a record collection. I can just, I can just buy two turntables, and and we can go off MP3s. This is amazing." Um, and there was kind of a choice when I finished university. It was like, nothing matters to me more than making money off music, making a living off music. This is the only thing I, I will not be happy unless it's music. But what are the options there? You can form a band where there's four guys with thousands of pounds of equipment, hundreds of hours of, of practice for a gig for 80 pounds between four of you like once a week or something you're gonna get 20 quid for that or uh go out and get dj residencies where it was 20 pounds an hour several several nights a week and um and i'll tell you what it was so easy to get the work because djs are arrogant dicks (laughs) and they blame everyone else they never blame themselves it's great (laughs) they so so like if the dance floor isn't dancing that's on me that's my job to figure out what they want to listen to. Whereas like everyone else in the city, there were only about only a handful of other guys that thought the way that I do on this, which is the way you're supposed to just like blame yourself, blame yourself. Your taste isn't perfect. You've got to cater to them. Your job is to get the dance floor going. 
Um, and so there were literally like four or five guys that soaked up all the gigs in the city, and I was one of them. Wow. Um, but everyone claims, oh, I'm a DJ. And I was just like, it, eventually it was like, if you don't get paid for it, just please don't use that term. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, that's the, you know, it's funny. I, the, that's the exact same mindset I had with, with bands. I mean, I definitely did it wrong for a lot of my twenties. I mean, I've been in uh like long term, I've probably been in 30 bands, you know, bands that I've been in for a year or more. Um, and cause I would be in six or seven at the same time and which was terrible to do to them, terrible to do to me. It's just the worst decision. Um, but I, I've probably worked with over a hundred different groups doing either weddings or, and, and you're right. It's just thousands of pounds of gear, the personalities, everyone's nuts, including you. You know, I was completely crazy. Like, but I had the same mindset where I, I I'm going to make money or I'm going to, for me, it was more about the skill than the money. Um, realized quick that uh you needed money (laughs) and i'd be broke all the time and stuff like that and i tried to start a business i tried to start a recording studio like a rehearsal studio where we recorded everyone's practices that failed um and i realized that i probably should have just done the solo thing the whole time you know and now i'm getting more into playing just guitar alone or playing jazz piano alone and probably should have gotten into djing as well that's where the money's at but uh the band thing it just became very uh uneconomical both monetarily and just the economy of your time you're wasting all your time doing that stuff the thing is like i don't think it's the purpose of a band at all i don't think i don't think the purpose of it is to make money and i think about like the because is yeah i was in a band when i was 20 and this was the pivotal decision for like going right i am djing because this is ridiculous because it was like the three other guys that were good at playing their instruments they were very good uh but it was going to be me chasing the leads for the gigs and me kind of like <laughs> i didn't even choose to be the front man but it was kind of obvious that i was going to have to haul three other guys with me if this was going to get anywhere and it's just it's so much easier working for yourself and what you were describing about um just doing solo shows the guys that i got to know because they were uh on just a similar level of the kind of work they were getting were all acoustic solo musicians and they got to tour around like the alps and stuff like this go on these snowboarding resorts and just play their songs there i never knew bands that managed to make that no it's yeah it's kind of and i think that in what's interesting i I would constantly be like why were they able to make it work in the 60s through 80s And, and now i've kind of done my research into it and i think it was propped up by in the long run by satan like it was you know, the wow. same yeah yeah i mean the, i looked i mean i think now the new rock stars are or the new satanic rock stars are the pop stars you know people that right. are you know doing you know whatever symbol or you know and they're trying to they're they're feeding the sat they're doing satan's bidding and i think a lot of those those um figures in the 60s through 80s were doing the work of the devil and he loves money the devil loves money and these record executives they there was a reason for them pushing sexual degeneracy drug culture and i worship these people in my teens and 20s mm-hmm. i mean I, I like worshiped like the british bands led zeppelin pink floyd i mean i wanted to be them so bad and i think that it was propped up i mean if you, you if you look at how much money these people had how much how many dollars were behind them on their tours and stuff it wasn't their money you know, it was uh, it was very you know common that 
you know, they were propped up by bad figures. And I don't think that's why it's not possible anymore because they're, they don't have the backing, you know, no one can fund their own tour. So, you know, back, they couldn't either back, back in the day. What's that musical truth? Got a book book recommendation for you there. I have not been able to finish this because it's kind of, it's too much. Like I, I believe what's in it. It's just like, I read the Beatles chapter. And it's just even the information on how the Beatles connects to Satan was enough to be like, oh, God. But what, what you, you might love about this as well is in the first chapter of it, um, he talks about hip hop and about his. In, in fact, I'll, I'll see if I can quickly try and find the list of artists that he considers good hip hop and the list that he considers bad. Because I love I that. Just, yeah. I was blown away because it was exactly the same as my um as my feelings on this. And um but the thing is this book is a full uh dissection of Satan's hand in the music industry. And he's saying, Yeah, it is controlled by the devil and I'm going to teach you it back to front. <laughs> and this guy's now one of our biggest like anti lockdown voices as Whoa. well. Really cool. Yeah. So do you want the list? Yes, please. Okay. Um, uh, let me let me see if there's a good list as well. Okay, here we go. Either way, the glut of rappers that were now being presented as the current day hip hop royalty: Lil Wayne, Drake, Nicki Minaj, Rick Ross, T Pain, Akon, Flo Rida, Pitbull, and a severely degenerated Jay Z and Kanye West just didn't hold the same appeal as the likes of A Tribe Called Quest, Gangstar, Brand Nubian, Pete Rock, and CL Smooth. KRS-One, Dealer Soul, Main Source, Naughty by Nature, Wu-Tang Clan, Public Enemy, Notorious B.I.G., MC Light, Foxy Brown, and Little Kim had a decade before. Interesting. What do you think? It's, okay, you think? so, I mean, I definitely... It wasn't perfect. It's not it perfect, but because there's there's ones that, like, you know, before he died, uh, Notorious B.I.G. got very violent and very... Uh, I know, in, I in, think into that's the sex thing. That was weird. And also, mm. you know, early Kanye West, I think Kanye West got was very based for a mm. long time, and may, he's still... He's, he's not based anymore. What was that? Well... Uh, well, now I'm. They've split up, haven't they? Or they are splitting up. Yeah. That, that's got to yeah. be a good thing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think it's 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 complicated. But a lot. I think there's also something about the er, people's early careers. Like, I think mm. uh, Jay Z was pretty not moral, but he was definitely not what he is now in in the nineties. Yeah, that's a good list, though, especially the early 90s, late 80s hip hop. They had a lot more to say. They had a lot more to um, it's what the one that I completely disagree with is putting little Kim on like the good list. I mean, yeah, she I, has, it's I, I got to go back and maybe listen to some of the stuff that he's referencing. But she's had the 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 slut thing going on. That was the main thing in her whole career. Um, mm. I don't even why I can repeat some of the lyrics. I know she said in, in her in well, her early career maybe i just got excited seeing gangstar dealer soul yeah well and, those and for sure I the old that's... school ones yeah the, that, yeah for sure dealer soul um inch i'm definitely ordering this book that looks awesome oh uh, it's amazing and but as i say like it's it's quite a bit to take in that's yeah. not me saying it's complicated it's just like who so everyone 
is you know working for the devil okay cool yeah yeah i mean look i mean you could that's kind of you know we circle back to what we're what you said earlier is that it's hard it's you don't want to label a person good and evil because you know you said most most people spend most of their time not sinning um but there's people that Mm -hmm. sin more than others so you could almost call no person good ever other than jesus christ and every man every every person that's ever lived has you could call them evil because they're not god <laughs> you know the so the thing is with with that in mind i still like i'm actually i've been urging my guys to sort of think with their gut a lot because that's another thing i've i've like learned on this journey is that um yeah i don't i don't want to you know cast people as good and evil or whatever mm. but i've learned that you you can tell a hell of a lot from a handshake and eye contact you can yeah. tell an enormous amount just uh, and it's because uh, like these are god-given abilities as well uh, just having a weird feeling about something I'm, I'm kind of urging all my guys like listen to that feeling all the time don't listen to me above all else listen to that feeling because that's yeah. what's got you got you here anyway that's got you out of like all of the, all of the psyops are just this discernment test anyway aren't they yeah Trans and everything it's just to see if you'll <laughs> fall for it which is why like talking to my friend about uh, about this he's he's got his dream job as like uh, fixing climate change and i'm just like it, how, how how can you be Whoa. like how can you dedicate your life to this and not discover that it's bogus wow like, how would that happen yeah, I think a lot of it is you don't challenge your the presuppositions. You don't ch- challenge the premise. You 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 accept a presupposition or a premise as a given, and you can run wild from that. You know, you can run for decades. I think it's about where's your own center of authority. Like, yeah. do you trust yourself above other people? And because you know the. the his mindset that he's running in is all like climbing a ladder. Like I've got approval from these people because now I've got now I'm working for for this thing that I want to. It all, it all it, it's all about looking up and doing the right thing and jumping through hoops. And I guess like people like us are like, no, I want to work for me. Yeah. And if you don't like me, you can go away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Wow, man, that was a great conversation. You're very generous with your time. I appreciate it. Um, la- last question: what's uh, what's the shield behind you? Oh my God, let's plug this. The yeah. shield behind me. Okay, a a fella that I met at a um at a sort of nationalist event at just a week before the lockdown hit. Um, he has gotten into making these just kind of out of boredom and his reason for doing it was that he was watching all these channels uh and everyone in the background had like a crap sort of made in china polyester union jack um and it and it just looked rubbish and he'd actually he's inspired by seeing some americans that were making full-on big palette stars and stripes um wall hangings and he's looking at all the uk channels and going this looks crap. This looks really crap. And he's now, he makes a ton of these. I've got, uh, let me show you a union flag as well. Cause I got another one. Yeah. Yeah. Let do it. Yeah. You. Grab it. Wow. All right. That was, this is also the guys. Yeah. This will be uploaded as a podcast in a couple days. Y'all uh, call me ignorant as you guys know, or whatever, but um, really great conversation. We're wrapping things up a little bit over here. Um, does McConnell says, does white boy tuna and mayo usually incorporate a salad with oil and vinegar asking for a friend? I'm not sure, sir. 
I'm not sure. Okay, cool. Wow. Is is wow, so is that one he made too? Is that the same yeah, guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's um he's based in Scotland and he just makes them in his disco shed and he's sent them out to um wow to every channel in the UK that he thinks is doing decent stuff. Uh he also makes like He's trying to do every flag of the world. It's called, or, or everyone that comes up anyway, it's called Dramatic Scotland Creations, but I think it only exists on Facebook. Dramatic Scotland Creations. Sweet. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what stuff. Is, what is the shield, though? Is that the English, like, like what is the actual design? I've seen it in, in history books and stuff, I think. Oh, well, yeah, that's the, um, it's St. George's Cross. Which St. Is George's England. Cross. It is, yeah, the England flag, which is um, like the the union is made up of a combo of of the different flags. Uh, Amazing. Except Wales, Wales gets left off because it's got a dragon. Wow. Do you know the Welsh flag? Not really. I mean, I'm sure I've seen it, but I'm not a uh, not the the UK mind over here. Yeah, no, the Welsh flag is the only flag on earth with a dragon on it. Well, I see. I've seen this one before. Interesting. Yeah, Do you yeah, think there good. were? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I've, so first of all, I would love to have you back on any time. And, uh, you know, if, so next time we talk, if you want to, you know, I'd love to talk conspiracies because that's like a big part of mm. my my background, you know, so alternative history, conspiracies, whatever. But uh, do you think that dragons existed? No. You don't think so? Okay, no, <laughs> I don't think they did. No, I, yeah. I don't think so. I've never, I've never given that question some serious thought, though. Yeah. Why do you? I mean, okay, if there's enough cultures that that say there were a thing called dragon, do I think that fire breathing lizards are possible? No, um, but if it's kind of like. Uh, you know, I, so I believe in the Bible. I, you know, I believe in the the bi- biblical narrative. But also, there were dozens of ancient cultures that talk about a flood, a, a global flood. And so, mm-hmm. if there's enough of these things in myth from huge cultures that stood the test of time, I tend to think that there's some truth to it. So even if they were, um, so I'm I'm also what you would call a young earther. Um, I think that the Earth is no more than ten thousand years old. So during that time what we call dinosaurs would have to, if, if dinosaurs are real in the first place, they would have to have existed during that time. So maybe that's what dragons were that like that dinosaurs and humans were on the earth at the same time. But I think, yeah, there's enough cultures that say that these were a thing and they're represented in mass media. And there's a space like a um, archetype carved out in the human brain for it. Then there's probably some truth to it. Yeah, no, that I'd never considered them from that perspective before because I take that same that same viewpoint that okay, if people have been using this for nine thousand years, um, astrology. I've got I've tried to get my head around astrology in the past year because um, I think we're going through some pretty tumultuous times. It's worth learning about. But you talk about those ancient civilizations, right? They're all lined. All of their things that they built are lined up to the stars to the constellations and you know it's another thing where oh well we've got science now we don't believe in that i'm just like no see yeah i'm like anti-scientism that religion of science i think it's one of the most bankrupt worldviews you know of all time like honestly more bankrupt than 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 like actual astrology like i think it's more bankrupt than a ouija board and i'm completely opposed to ouija board paganism and tarot cards and stuff like that but the scientism thing it's probably the worst worldview (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, I quite, I've got it boiled down to quite a quick stock phrase that can just like BTFO scientism, um, which it, it, it's really simple, really simple. Uh, modern day science says that race, race is a social construct. The sun doesn't affect the climate and you can be born in the wrong body, whatever that means. No, no. There, there you go. Three very, very clear. Myths. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cult. That's, you know, so I'll just when I'm on Twitter and I see these people talking, I'll just reply cult member confirmed, you know, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, but it's crazy. Well, awesome, man. Well, yeah, you've been again, you've been really generous with your times uh, with your time. When, when do you stream and tell us tell people where to find your channel? I know you got a bigger following than me, but I'm sure that some people will go your way. But yeah, where can we find you? Um, when do you stream all that good stuff? Yeah, no, cross pollination is the way that we win, man. I like, I really want to have you on specifically my music show if you're up for that. Rather, I'd love than, to, yes, yeah, because because my interviews, I, I'm kind of trying to angle them around art, music, culture, um, rather than just like political hot take of the week because I'm overdosed on that, and, and I'd much rather talk about the other stuff. Uh, so I would love to have you on for that for a Tuesday. Um, but the um, yeah, the schedule is two till four in the afternoon UK time. Uh, I don't know how many hours behind you are. So that would be ten to twelve Eastern time USA. Yeah. So so yeah, morning time for you guys. I generally focus pretty hard on what's going on in my own country. Um, but if there's something particularly ridiculous, the thing is, it's so complicated your stuff, and people are doing it so well that I don't, I, I don't feel the need to weigh in on um on american politics unless it's like unless like the capital hill thing was happening um but yeah i don't know it seemed to pick up people listening from from all over so um so i don't think that means that it's like exclusive and then in the evenings from nine o'clock uh we do music and so there's different different things every every evening but basically my thinking is the bbc is utter poison and it needs to go but instead of just getting rid of it we need to like offer what they do better so they actually do pump out like really good classical music or bands or live shows or whatever so i try and like go okay well i'm I'm providing the same thing so that people don't have to go to that horrible organization wow amazing awesome man yeah so it's unwashed over there on d live and uh so uh, d- i welcome you guys to check this out and, uh, like i said this will be a podcast so i'll make sure i send you the link to uh, the podcast episode if you want to uh, share it out with people and i'll probably yeah, you know cut up cut up this subs. yeah i get just yeah yeah i mean i definitely will be popping by your chat and i'm i'm totally down to do uh uh come by on a tuesday to do the music thing i do live concerts from here i got all my guitar all my stuff so i do i do concerts i mean i did my first concert in months last night and uh because i took you know i moved three times in six months and now i I bought a place i got my own spot now so i'm gonna be doing weekly concerts so whenever i come on i'm glad to do a little you know you know i don't know how long your show is but i I play for i did a three-hour music stream last night so i love playing music online so I haven't I haven't hosted a session. Oh, you got to do it. People yeah. love that shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they love it. Yeah, it's a good break from the politics for sure. It's essential. And I think that um, I think that anyone that's been through what we've been through this waking up thing, you've, you've overdosed on it. By this yeah. Point. You really, yeah. really have. And the best uh, and what I really like about a couple of things that you've said is like you're not going to give up who you were just because you've discovered some new stuff. I think everyone needs to be doing what they did before 
like more? What were you obsessed with before? What were your passions before you became based at Red Pill? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so important, man. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. All right, everybody. Well, yeah. So Nick, thanks, thanks so much for calling on. I'll be ta- I'll be uh, checking out your material, and uh, uh, we'll talk again. Okay. Yeah, man. That All was right. So much fun. Thank thanks, you. man. All right. Take care. God bless. Okay. Bye bye. Whoa, bro. That was awesome.